And I'd like for you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. And then you might want to hold this other passage, just kind of hold it. We're going to look at two passages. The second one we'll come to and, and really stick with is 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. But for now, John 3, 7 through 10. And these are the very words of Jesus of Nazareth, our Savior. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. There was a news story some years ago about a lady named Norena. She was a senior citizen, and... um, a hurricane came through her town in Florida. I, I grew up in Florida. I know about hurricanes. This was a particularly bad hurricane, and it pretty much demolished her house. She survived. She got an insurance settlement. She started to rebuild her home. Well, the money ran out, and then the contractor ran out on her. And so this widowed senior citizen without children Uh, was left to live in an unfinished house that literally had no electricity. The story amazed people at the time because Norena had been living without power ever since the contractor walked away from her. Now, the amazing thing about this, the story was written in about 2009, is that the, the hurricane that knocked her house down was not Katrina. That would have been 2005. That's right after we moved here. I remember it well. Uh, This was actually Hurricane Andrew that had knocked down her house. She had been living without power in her home for over 15 years. No heat in the winter. More importantly, in South Florida, no air conditioning in the summer, not one hot bath for over 15 years. She didn't have any money to finish the house. And the news story said, and I quote, She just got by with a small lamp and a single burner stove. And this is really interesting and speaks to our modern culture, this next quote from this story. Her neighbors didn't seem to notice the absence of power. We need to know our neighbors, at least if their power's off. We need to know that and help address that. Her neighbors didn't seem to notice the absence of power, but finally someone noticed. And hearing about it, the mayor of Miami-Dade County got involved It only took, this is the story, it only took a few hours of work by electrical contractor Kent Cook to return power to the house. It took a few hours. On KUTV, Norena said, and I quote, that I planned to let the water get really hot and take my first bubble bath in over 15 years. Quote, It's hard to describe having the electricity suddenly switched on, she said. It's really overwhelming. If you want to read more about that, that's uh, a woman turns lights on after 15 years in the dark. You can Google that. Let me tell you something. That story has a spiritual parallel. A lot of people are interested in the Holy Spirit. 
And some people are interested in the Holy Spirit because uh, the Holy Spirit um, is someone they don't really know about. The Holy Spirit, we probably don't teach, particularly in the Presbyterian Church, we probably don't just straight up teach about the Holy Spirit as much as we should. Um, so they don't know about him and they're, they're interested. But they realize he's important. Some people actually know that the Holy Spirit is the third person of God Almighty. So they want to know more about him. But a lot of people want to know more about the Holy Spirit simply because he makes things happen in the world. The Holy Spirit is how God applies his power. It is through the Holy Spirit that the Godhead and the power of God and change comes to us in this world. And the change is so real in the human life that it's like the power goes on. It's like darkness to light. And it is sudden and it is powerful. It is irreversible. This is what Jesus is saying about the Holy Spirit in our passage. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit in the same way that the Holy Spirit is described in the Old Testament. Jesus compares the Spirit of God to the wind. In fact, the Old Testament word for spirit is ruach. The Hebrew word ruach and the New Testament word is pneuma. They both mean spirit and they both mean wind. And sometimes, literally, when the, the word calls for wind, the word is ruach, like the wind blows, the ruach blows. And sometimes it means the spirit. And the same in the New Testament. Because the name of the spirit, literally, or what he is like, literally, is the wind. And why is that? That's a great metaphor that Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit. It's what the Old Testament says as well. Well, the wind is very powerful and so is the Holy Spirit the wind comes and goes where it comes and goes you don't see it but you see the power of it the wind is powerful the wind is free God's spirit is third person of God and he is both sovereign unstoppable and free and like the Holy Spirit the wind is kind of mysterious Blowing here one moment and blowing there the next moment. And he is quite free to move where he chooses to move. It's all very interesting, isn't it? About God, the wind, and it matters. And we need to realize what the Holy Spirit is like. Last week we looked at the fact that the Holy Spirit is the third person of God. That the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it. Even though we have words like poured out, rained down, being filled, the Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit's a person. We have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. So I'd like to th say two things about what the Holy Spirit's like this morning. And that is that the Holy Spirit is free... And talk a little bit more about that. And secondly, is that the Holy Spirit makes us free. That the Holy Spirit is free. And the Holy Spirit makes us free. The first is this idea of the freedom of the Holy Spirit um, being like the wind. Free. You know, we lived in Colorado for seven and a half years. And I will tell you that uh, coming back to the South... 
one of the, well, not one of, the most obnoxious, hated feature of Colorado for us was definitely the wind because there is a lot of wind in Colorado. If you get a day, if, if you have a day that still, you just got a one day off from the wind and you don't have many days off from the wind in Colorado. Well, I grew up in Florida, as I mentioned, North Florida, and uh, so I know what a hurricane feels like and I've hidden in my house in a safe place with my family when the wind with, with terrific power came through and then saw on the news the effects of that power and some of the devastation, damage, and even, and even a loss of life that happened through the power of the wind. I lived in Tuscaloosa, Alabama for seven and a half years when we planted Trinity Presbyterian Church there in Tuscaloosa and I will tell you that I took cover when a tornado came through and it really literally jumped over kind of the area whole area where I lived and, and touched down and and we could definitely hear the wind we could definitely feel the effects of the wind while we were under the staircase the four of us just all huddled there praying that our house would survive but in Colorado the wind's different. You know, in the south, you think about a hurricane, you, you think about tornadoes. That's kind of like a brief, terrifying aberration of the weather. And I, I kept telling my friends in Colorado, you know, at night in the south, everything get, gets quiet. It gets real still. You can go sit on the front porch and you can talk and the wind's not just, just blowing everywhere. Well, not, not, in, not in Colorado. I mean, it blasts all the time. And I can remember lying awake at night and just hearing the windows just rattling. This could be 11 o'clock at night. I remember sitting awake at 2 o'clock in the morning. It wasn't a hurricane. It's just the wind. Things were shaking. I thought things were going to shake loose. And I thought, this is just wrong. And everywhere you went, you just got blown by the wind. When I lost the hair on the, the back of my head, one of the reasons I never really try to comb over is it just doesn't work in Colorado. And you just blow it out to here if you try one, you know. Just don't even go there, man, because the wind is powerful. It's more powerful than come overs. I understand the idea that the wind is powerful and free and you cannot control it. And in our passage, Jesus is explaining that the Holy Spirit is like the wind. And you know who he's talking to in in John 3, he's talking to one of the most able teachers of the Old Testament in Israel. His name is Nicodemus. He is uh, a part of the sect of the Pharisees. He's one of the leaders of the Pharisees. Nicodemus suspects that Jesus is the Christ. You know, Jesus Christ, Jesus Savior, Christ, Messiah. He suspects that Jesus might be the Messiah. So he actually asks for an audience, uh, some time face-to-face with Jesus. But Nicodemus comes at night. And the reason he does that is he doesn't want the other Pharisees to see how open he is to the Messiahship of Jesus. He doesn't want the people to see. And we read these words. If you would turn to John 3, I want to start with 3.1 and kind of come through our passage of Jesus' interview with Nicodemus, John 3, 1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God. 
For no one could do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly. When Jesus says truly, truly, verily, verily, you need to really pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, the natural birth process, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus says, if you want to see the kingdom of God, if you want to be saved, if you want to be a part of, of God's family, you must be born by the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. You must be born again. Let me tell you something about salvation. You know, far from the way people all over the globe this morning in every time zone are thinking about salvation it is just the opposite. Just the opposite of what one of the leading teachers of Israel taught about salvation. And here's the way it goes all around the world. Through what I do, I can impress God enough to be accepted by Him. And that is not the case. No, no. God is not into an improvement program for you to finally make the grade and be accepted by God. Salvation before a three times holy God, the one true and living God, Yahweh, creator of heaven and earth, who no man can look at and live, who dwells in austere light and glory, unapproachable, because of his being and brightness and holiness and character. No, salvation with that God is so radical that it is nothing shy of being born again by God's power through God's Spirit. You see, this is incredibly radical news to Nicodemus who thinks, okay, you obey the law of Moses. Okay, you obey the, the 632 other laws of the Pharisees. And, and as you get on up into some righteousness and some holiness, you're going to be accepted. And Jesus says, no, truly, truly, I say to you, it doesn't work that way. Unless you are born brand new by God, unless you are born of the Spirit, born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And this is still a revelation to us when we understand it. This is the good news. I want you to know it's good news because we fail when we try to be good enough for God for salvation. I want you to know this is good news because this is something that God, who is sovereign and free, does in people's lives connected with the gospel. That's good news because any of you have put your trust in Christ and you have 
you've come into his family. And look, you, you may be struggling in your life. We're all having to wrestle in our life and wrestling with ourselves and wrestling with God and wrestling with the scriptures and all of this. And we'll, we'll get to the Holy Spirit's role in, in life in a fallen world. But if you put your trust in Christ, you know what? You need to rest in that this morning. That was God. That wasn't you. That was rooted before the foundation of the world. That wasn't you. We don't lose it because it wasn't us. We didn't make it. We didn't make it happen. No, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born with the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Isn't that great? Unless a man is born again. It's so radical. It's brand new. It's something God does. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, in verse 8, is like the wind. He is sovereign and free. And this is good news for another reason, because some of you have that child that does not know Christ yet. Some of you have those friends. Some of you have those parents. Some of you have that uncle. You know that uncle that does not know Christ yet. And you say, how will they ever understand the free grace of God through Jesus? Well, the answer is simply this, by the Spirit. And yes, the Spirit is free to work in lives He worked in yours The Spirit of God is unstoppable and free. The wind blows, Jesus says, where it pleases. You hear it sound. You cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? That's God. That's God's power out of His freedom to save people. This idea of the Holy Spirit being like the wind wasn't new to Nicodemus. Jesus, we have the word recorded, pneuma. Nicodemus has been teaching that the word for spirit in his Old Testament lessons for years was ruach, the wind. In fact, the word Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is ruach Elohim. It means God the wind in the Old Testament. And you know what it means in the New Testament? Numa hagias numa, it means God the holy, the spirit. God the wind the holy. Don't you just love this? You see, what this says is that God isn't passive, sitting somewhere way off, waiting for us to do everything. No, God is active. God is blowing. God is moving in the world by his spirit that cannot be stopped. Old Testament scholar I. Howard Marshall says that ruach means wind. Listen to this. An invincible, mysterious, powerful force, often with the notion of strength or violence presence in it. Think about that, your house about to shake loose. Sinclair Ferguson said the work of the Holy Spirit can also be called, quote, the violence of God. I love that. It's not us. It is the power of the Holy Spirit who is free, who grants born from above, born of the Spirit to people in conjunction with the preaching of the gospel. Let me tell you, in this world, don't say, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. The world's this, the world, there's no... You say there's no hope. You don't believe in the third person of God. You don't believe in the power of the gospel. 
Of course there's hope. Of course God is on time. Of course history is linear. Of course it's all moving to where God wants it to move. And we're a part of that. And we have the Holy Spirit. And more about that in a moment. Howard Marshall goes on to say, at its heart, this is about the experience of a mysterious, awesome power. The mighty, invincible force of the wind. The mystery of vitality. The otherworldly power that transforms. Jesus said, God, the wind is free. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. Thank God for God the wind. This is the third person of God. This is He. This is the one who does what He wants to do. This is the one who conquers the souls of sinners. And He's irresistible in conjunction with the gospel. So first, God's Spirit is free. That is good news. Secondly, God's Spirit makes us free. This is where I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 3, 17, and 18, please. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, and 18. You know, spirit can act as a gentle breath of God or a forceful gale of God. But it is through the Holy Spirit that God works in our lives. And the wind is, the ruach of God is freedom. And you know what? When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he gives freedom to us. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now the Lord, that's the same word that you trace back in the Old Testament for Yahweh. So we're talking about God here. Now the Lord is the Spirit. God is the Holy Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or liberty. And we all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image of God from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And this is talking about the effect on, a, on the life of a person and a continuing effect and a continuing growth and being transformed into the likeness of God by the work of the Spirit. You caught that last part? This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, what this discussion has to do with in 2 Corinthians 3 is, uh, has to do with the, the glory of the Old Covenant and a veil that kept us from seeing the full glory of God. And another veil is mentioned in 2 Corinthians 3. This has to do with the discussion about Moses. Moses, remember, was, was the man who could see God face to face. And even then, God represented himself in a way that, you know, that, only, that Moses could bear it. Remember when Moses came out of the, the, the direct presence of, of a representation of God? He didn't know it, but he came down among the people and they literally could not look at his face. Do you remember why? Because the glory of God that he beheld was so intense, 
and pure. I mean, straight on from this representation of God and His glory, God Himself. The, the glory of God was so intense and pure that it had not faded yet fully from the faces of, of Moses. And so you literally, kind of like you can't look into the sun, you literally could not look at the face of Moses and stare at Moses' face because God's glory was so bright. So what did they do? They literally put a veil over Moses' face. You know, at a wedding with the veil and you can barely see the bride's face and then finally the, the veil is lifted and you can see this, this beautiful bride. Well, they put a veil over Moses because of the glory of God that is too bright to look at. And Paul is saying, and this is amazing, that now in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, because that's what this is about, the veil of the Old Testament that kept us from God's glory is lifted and now we can see Christ in the gospel. Now we can know Christ and the glory of Moses is ours. But it's not on our face. It is in our hearts. Free access through the blood of Jesus, the glory of God, the immediate presence of God. I'm talking Emmanuel, God with us. This is amazing. You look back in the Old Testament, you say, that was amazing. No, this is amazing. This is what the Spirit does in our lives. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed from, into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When God comes into our life, everything is switched on with God. And until He comes into our life, nothing is switched on. There is no life no spiritual life. You were once dead in your trespasses and sins. The Holy Spirit represents, is the agent by which the gospel is applied to our lives, by which the very life that is eternal and the glory of God that we with unveiled face behold through the, the agency of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is the one who applies Jesus to us as Emmanuel. You say, you know, Jesus is Emmanuel, but he feels so far off. Let me tell you something. Jesus is in you through the Holy Spirit. That's why he continues to be called Emmanuel. Because though Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, right? No, Jesus lives in my heart, and this is through the Holy Spirit. Though the Father is in heaven, so to speak. Yet the Father is the Spirit. It's hard to understand. I can't go into more than that right now. But it is through the Holy Spirit that we know the Father and the Son. Without the Holy Spirit, we got something like Islam. We got some faraway God. You better be thankful for the Trinity. This is how God comes to us. God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, took human flesh, took our place, purchased salvation. God and Jesus so loved us that, th that they sent the Holy Spirit that we could have the gospel applied to our hearts and Emmanuel could be ours and the glory of God could be ours in our hearts. And we are free. The Holy Spirit makes us free. We are free now. To love God. Remember the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
all your soul, all your mind, and your strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. Nobody can do that. And everybody falls down. But it is through the power of the Spirit and Emmanuel being Emmanuel and our Redeemer. We are forgiven. We are loved. We are adopted. We are His now. And we are free to love Him. We are free to walk with Him. And we, by the Spirit, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Freedom is a misunderstood concept in our culture today. Freedom is understood as the right, my right to do anything I want to do. My right to execute my will, regardless of what it is. And we might throw in, if we're kind of a civilized secular person, as long as it doesn't hurt somebody. You know, can I just say as an aside, when it comes to sexuality, this consensual sex that doesn't hurt somebody, is there ever sex outside of marriage that doesn't hurt somebody? (laughs) Come on, y'all. No, there's not. Hearts break when hearts are not joined before God in marriage. You see, it's not the freedom to do whatever we want to do. No, that is not true freedom. A crack cocaine addict was free to take his first hit, right? He was free to take his second hit and his third hit and he was no longer free to stop. That's not freedom. That's bondage. This is freedom to know that you are loved by God. This is freedom for your soul to relax for the first time ever in the presence of a holy God because the Spirit has applied the blood of Jesus to your heart. This is freedom to love God rather than ourselves. It's freedom to love other people rather than ourselves. This is freedom to go with God's Word rather than our own selfish impulses and vain thoughts. God's Word that yields this peace. God's Word that enhances and undergirds this true freedom of the human soul, the human mind, the human heart. This is what we were made for. To know God. The Spirit of God hovered over the deep in Genesis chapter 1 and formed all there is. And the Spirit of God is like the wind and He puts the human soul back together with God and restores Eden in our heart's purpose and true liberty. This is amazing. This is freedom to go with God in our relationships. And you'll never be sorry if you do. We are free to love. We are free to give. We are free to minister in the name of Jesus and in the place of Jesus Christ on this earth. That's what he gave us before he ascended to the right hand of God. But what he gave us 
for that to happen was the Holy Spirit. It is better that I go, he said, because if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. But I will send to you another comforter, another counselor, and he will lead you into all truth, even the Spirit, even the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you orphans, Jesus said. I will come to you. And he has come to us in the Holy Spirit. This is the freedom that is truly free. All this other freedom, it's just one more wire around our neck and around our heart that we helped wrap around both of them in the name of our personal freedom. This is the freedom that brings relaxation of soul, liberation of love, the reestablishment of the bigger picture of meaning and deep joy in God. This freedom comes from the Holy Spirit in walking in dependence upon Emmanuel through the one who applies God is with us to our hearts in dependence upon God the wind to blow into our lives. You know... 1 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, certainly talk about salvation. This is about how the glory of God comes to us. But you know what's great about it? Jesus is talking about salvation. In John chapter 3, being born again, born of the Spirit, radically new by the freeness of the God, the wind, to, to establish us here. But, but in, in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, this is about people like me and you who need God in our lives. We're Christians. If you've put your trust in what Jesus has done on the cross for our salvation, because we can't approach God, and at the end of the day, we're still us, and God's still our most altruistic day we've ever had falls short of the glory of God, and that's the best day we've ever had, and it's just downhill from there. And God's done it all. And Jesus said these words, did he not, on the cross. It is finished. It is complete. It is a gift, this salvation. But you know what? We live in a fallen world as Christians. We sin, don't we? I do. I don't say that to you saying, I do. I'm saying that to you saying, we do. I do. Aren't you glad that God in salvation didn't just clean our slate for one moment and say, okay, through Jesus, your slate's clean. Now, don't blow it. Now, let me tell you what he did. He cleaned our slate. He forgave us. But he also gave us his righteousness because we'll never live a righteous life ever to be acceptable before God. Why can't we lose our salvation? Because we're not only forgiven through the cross, through this grace, this finished work that is given to us, which we simply believe and receive. No, we're given the completed, fulfilled righteousness from God. And so God looks upon us through the blood of Jesus. God looks at us and he sees his very righteousness. I know that's hard to believe when it comes to your case personally. Because you know that you're not righteous. And I know I'm not righteous and it's not really helpful to pretend like we are. But you know what? God sees us as righteous. And not only did God give us forgiveness, wipe our slate clean. Not only did God give us his righteousness that will always fulfill and satisfy his demands for our life. God gave us the Holy Spirit. The wind of God. To renew us day by day, to bring us the truth, to make Jesus real, 
to illumine His Word for us to grow and to be conformed more and more into His image. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay, so when you put these passages together, John 3 and 2 Corinthians 3, here's what you get. God's Spirit is free like the wind and causing us to be born again. And we are set free to to have His glory live in us and to love Him and live for Him. That's what you get. He's free and He sets us free. But you know, I want to add one thing to this, which is kind of exciting. And if you think about, you know, what our prayer for, for this body of believers is, this isn't just for us individually. It's really exciting. You do realize that in the Scripture, God's Spirit renewed whole groups of people. You do understand in church history, since the time of the Bible, God's Spirit has renewed, awakened whole groups of people. His church in an entire nation, for instance, in the 1740s in this country, we call it the first great awakening. It's otherwise known as revival. It is the ruach of God, the pneuma, the, the wind of God, of His own sovereign freedom coming upon His people. It is something that we are to long for, both not only individually, but corporately. Oh God, you want our country renewed? You worried about our country? You better worry about the church first. Oh God, blow in my life. Oh God, by sovereign choice and freedom, come down, if you will, blow into your church. Renew us again. Revive us again. Awaken us again. Now, I realize that Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is different now because Christ had not sent the Holy Spirit. And that was the sending of the Holy Spirit in the fullness and the fruition. Remember, if I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit. Go and tarry. They tarried and the Spirit came. If you have Jesus, you have Pentecost. But I want to read a few verses because it kind of helps us see what revival must be like as well. And, and a fresh visitation of God's Spirit upon our hearts individually and corporately. The Scriptures tell us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit once. We have Pentecost when we believe. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. This is a continuing work of God's Spirit. As the old African-American pastor so famously said, I needs to be filled because I leaks. Acts 2, 1 through 4, and I'll finish with this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Listen to these words. You'll understand them better now, I trust. Suddenly... A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And when that happened, the church 
was blessed and empowered. The Spirit is like the wind, sovereign and free. He is the wind that blows and gives us true freedom. We need Ruach Elohim. We need God's Spirit to be saved and to be renewed. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. You so loved us that he did everything necessary for us to come to know you. And if you've never put your trust in Christ, you're still hanging on like Nicodemus was, your own efforts. You want to turn from that? Just pray, Lord, I turn from everything that I've called Christianity, everything that I've called religion. I want to turn to you, Jesus, and your grace and what you have done on the cross. Lord, I just trust in you. Thank you that even now you've come into my life. Even now you have completely forgiven me. Even now you've given me the very righteousness of God. Even now you've given me the Holy Spirit. Oh Lord, there are many of us who have walked with you and we, we, have, we have felt so many different pulls on our hearts. We have seen the the, the line of sanctification of becoming more like you be much more squiggly in the way it would actually be drawn if it were graphed than we'd like to see. But Lord, deep in our souls, we long for freedom. Would you, by the Holy Spirit, renew us today? Not only individually, but would you send revival our hearts, to this body of believers, and even to your church. We pray all this through Jesus Christ, the second person of God, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, the third person of God. Amen.